following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Come on, it's a good morning. It's a great day. It's a day the Lord has made. We're going to rejoice and be glad. Yeah. Good to see everybody. I, I try to catch you all at the door. <clears throat> you that don't know who the masked man in the black mask was with a bald head, that's me. And uh, I thought about putting my mask on my head so I'd, I'd unidentify myself because all you know is that head with that mask. But what a joy to see you today. And I'm honored to be standing here in front of you, such an august crowd on this beautiful Sunday morning. And we're going to declare the gospel today. You ready for the gospel? Now listen, we baptized 22 in the first session, 36 in the second session, 58 took the plunge today. Isn't that awesome? Wow, wow. People got to get ready for Jesus. Amen, amen. Amen. Would you stand? You're incredible people, and I love the fire out of you. And I'm starting a little bit late here, so I've got to I got to speed it up. I got to be like a plane taking off with the tailwind. I got to make up some time. I'm speaking today on something that I think is very important for right now, and pertinent for now. My subject today is the bridegroom is coming. Jesus is coming. And the scripture said in 1 Corinthians 14, if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? Somebody's got to blow the horn in Zion. Somebody has to lift up their voice like a trumpet and declare the sins and the salvation of God and the people of God. And I declare today that we're going to preach this gospel the way Jesus wanted me to preach it. That's with love and kindness and favor, and I want you to get a hold of what we're saying. And if folks start dragging in here, they're the baptized folks, okay? They probably got wet heads. You don't have to cheer for them. Just smile when they walk by. I love you. You may be seated. Someone once said, believe nothing you hear (laughs) and half what you see. I think it was my dad. Headlines, news lines, What do you believe? How can you believe hardly anything today? Some of the headlines in the papers and the news are absolutely astounding. Headlines like this, police began a campaign to run down jaywalkers. That's in the paper. Or this one, crash probe, decides plane was too close to the ground. Or how about this one, cold wave linked to temperatures. This is the one I love. New study of obesity looks for a larger test group. (laughs) What I really wish is that every newspaper in the world, every newspaper in America would run this headline at least once a week. Jesus is coming again. Wouldn't it be neat to have somebody have the nerve to write that? The second coming of Jesus is the greatest prophetic event of all the ages, and it's going to happen. Many things in the Bible are so important, such as the new birth. It's mentioned nine times in the Bible. 
We believe in baptism. We believe it's important. It's salvistic. Baptism is mentioned 20 times. One cannot be saved, we believe, apart from repentance. You have to confess and repent. But repentance is mentioned only seven times. Yet, one out of every 25 verses in the Word of God says Jesus is coming again. Jesus told his last parable just before he went to the cross. It's interesting to know that the last two parables Jesus ever told concerned his second coming. See, Jesus had the sins of the world on his mind before Calvary, but he also had the second coming that he was going to come again in his mind. He was serious, very serious about the second coming. And I believe everybody in this house and in America and around the world should be serious as well today. And the parable we're going to study is from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives us three pieces of advice that we need to heed to be ready for the bridegroom when he comes for the bride. Number one, you might want to write these down. We need to be wise. Be wise to meet the coming of the bridegroom. You've got to wise up. Matthew chapter 25 said, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. But now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Remember, they were all pure. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. <clears throat> but while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. To understand this parable, one has to understand the procedures of a Jewish wedding. A Jewish wedding consisted of three parts. Number one was the engagement. Say the engagement. Marriages in those days were arranged by the fathers of the bride and the groom. Now, if I had a dad picking out my bride, I would hope he had 20-20 vision. <laughs> and if you were the daughter, you'd hope your dad knew how to distinguish good character. Because every girl needs a good character. And man, he don't have to be good looking. But every man needs something nice. The groom's family provided the dowry to the bride's father. That money was to be put in a trust to be used by the bride in the event of a loss of the husband through either divorce or death. Yeah, they divorced those engagements. The engagement amounted to a contract of marriage. Very little involvement from the couple. Dad, do me good. The second stage was the betrothal. Say the betrothal. This was an actual marriage ceremony. It's not like today. The bride and the groom exchanged vows before family and friends, and the marriage was considered to be official even though the marriage was yet to be consummated. The betrothal could last for many months, sometimes up to a year. But as far as society and the law was concerned, the couple was from that day to whenever the bridegroom came back, they were legally married. And number C, See, the third step was a wedding feast. Now, this is exciting. At a certain time, the bridegroom, accompanied by his attendants, would proceed through the streets, usually at night, to the bride's home to claim the bride. And together, the bride and groom and their attendants would parade through the streets, proclaiming the wedding feast was about to begin. And they would return to the groom's house for the wedding feast 
and the consummation of the marriage. And the procession was usually at night because they liked to use lamps. You understand that. Lamps and torches were used by the wedding party to light the way and to attract attention to bystanders. Hey, we got a party going on for these two peeps. That's what it was about. Now, it was the third phase of the marriage that this parable that we read today is speaking about because a wedding in that day had two parts. And as I have said, the bridegroom and his friends would come from his house to claim the bride from her house. Then the bride and the groom and their attendants would return to the groom's house for the marriage feast. Does that sound like anything you've read in the Bible? Now, this wedding would normally begin on the evening and it could last up to a week. Celebration would last a week. (laughs) Today, you can't even afford a wedding for two hours, much less a week. Let's get out of here before they charge us another (laughs) $10,000. Now you understand, though, why Jesus' first miracle was turning water to wine. After a week, they had run out. They was down to water. They needed something else. You got to get this. The bride knew from the time of the betrothal that the bridegroom was going to come for her. Yet she did not know exactly or precisely when he would come. Now there's one more player in this story I got to introduce. There was what the Bible calls a friend of the bridegroom. John 3.29 said, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which stands and hears him, who? The bridegroom, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy, therefore I am fulfilled because I hear the voice. Ladies and gentlemen, he's describing the angel of a church. He's describing the minister, the one that stands up on Sunday morning, comes to you on Wednesday night. He's a caretaker for the bride. He's there assigned to take care of her, to make sure she understands she's been given a dowry. She's been given some some down payment. She's been taken care of, and she's going to be taken care of until the bridegroom comes back. And to make sure she's sufficiently guarded, provided for, and prepared for the coming of the bridegroom because the bridegroom is coming again. The friend of the bridegroom made her continually aware that her betrothed love was soon to come. He was simply a messenger. He was just a messenger. He didn't have a name. It doesn't matter the name. What matters is the message, the message that has to be preached. Since it was usually at night, The bride and her attendants had to make sure they had lamps and they had torches, not only to light the way back to the bridegroom's house, but also to identify members of the wedding party. And as the groom would appear to the bride's house, there would usually, first of all, be a shout such as we read in verse six. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. They didn't wait for him to come and snatch them. They went out to meet him. That would be followed by the sound of the trumpet. And then everyone would know that the bridegroom had come. Now here's the salient point of this parable so far. Everyone involved knew 
the groom was coming. They had one simple job. Their job was to be prepared for the coming of the bridegroom. They were to be wise so they could meet him. They were to be wise so they could see him. The second thing I want to preach to you today is that not only do you have to be wise about this, you have to be watchful to make the coming of the bridegroom. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us in you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Hear me. Everyone was expected to trim their own lamps. These lamps, folks, were long poles with oil-drenched rags at the top. They wasn't like your Coleman lanterns you take on a camping trip. They didn't burn all night and keep the mosquitoes away. When lit, they would burn brightly, but you gotta get this. They had to have additional oil put on them every 15 minutes. They had to have a daily a direction of putting oil on them in order for the torch to continue to burn. Everyone in this procession had to carry his or her own torch. If you were without a torch, you were assumed to be a wedding crasher. That's not a new term for movies in the 2000s in the 21st century. That happened back in the days of Jesus. It was assumed you were not part of the wedding party and you would not be allowed to come to the feast. Now the difference between the foolish bridemaids and the wise bridesmaids, simply put, the wise were prepared and the foolish were not. It was not that the foolish bridesmaids were not aware that the bridegroom was coming. They knew it as well as everybody else. Also, it was not that they were unaware that they had a lack of oil. The problem was they were not concerned enough about being prepared to do something about it before it was too late. Amen? Amen. I had some cousins when I lost my grandmother and my Uncle John several years ago in 1975. I was just a young preacher. They put me in a hotel room and pinned me against the wall and they blocked the door so I couldn't get out until I told them. They said, tell us where we are. Tell us how we're gonna, how we're gonna make all of this. And I said, what do you mean? I said, you just, need to, you just need to find Jesus in your life. They said, no, you know us. We wanna get to the church just before it happens. And I said, you're going to have to let me out of here. I can't talk to you anymore if you're not going to confess Jesus today. And they got aggravated at me. One of them grabbed me and said, you, you, you're not a preacher. You don't want to help anybody. I said, yeah, you need to repent right now and let the Lord fill you right now. Folks, there's not a better time for salvation than right now. Do you hear me? Don't be one of those people that procrastinate and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get in there just before it happens. You don't know when it's going to happen. Get ready. Jesus is coming. Do you know, folks, that next week, the 6th through the 8th, is the Feast of Trumpets? Do you know many prophetic teachers believe that the trumpet's going to sound one day, not just in Israel, but all around the world from heaven? Gabriel's going to blow a horn. Jesus is going to come on the clouds. We're going to all be called up to meet him. Somebody say, preach to us today, pastor. You know, some of these... Some of these foolish virgins thought they could run down to the oil shop anytime they wanted. 
Maybe they thought they could borrow oil from someone at the shops if the shops were, shops were closed. And we are not told why they were negligent. We're just told that they were negligent. They ran out of one thing that they needed to get to the wedding feast, oil. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that's way out in left field. You're going to have to think about it a while before you can get on what I'm trying to say. It's a metaphor. I heard about a couple on an African safari. And they were walking through the jungle and all of a sudden a huge lion sprang out of the bushes and seized the wife, dragging her off into the jungle. And she screamed to her husband, shoot, shoot. And he shouted back, I can't, I've run out of film. <laughs> Folks, there's a roaring lion that's trying to take down everything that is godly. And he's seeking to devour whom he can devour. You don't need to be running out of anything now. You need to be stopped. You need to be ready. You need to have all in your life. You need to have your vessel filled. It's not time to be running on low. It's time to be full of the spirit in your life right now. It's not time to run out of things. From the outside, all the 10 virgins looked identical. They were all dressed in their wedding garments. They all had their torches to carry to the wedding procession. But they were not all truly alike because five were ready, five were not. Now the foolish bridesmaids tried to borrow oil from the wise ones, but they couldn't. It's not because the wise bridesmaids were selfish or hard-hearted, no. They knew if they loaned them their oil, nobody would make it. They'd all run out because there would not be enough oil to keep every torch lit long enough to get into the house. But there's a greater principle here. I want you to sit up in your chair and listen to this now. There are some things that you just can't borrow. You can go next door and borrow some salt. You can borrow some sugar. You can borrow an air pump to air up your tire. You can borrow a wheelbarrow. You can borrow a hoe. You can borrow a shovel. You can even borrow silver. And my son-in-law just borrowed a car to take a long, long trip from some precious people in this house. But you cannot borrow salvation. Can I preach a little here? The Bible said, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. But now is the appointed hour. Today is the day. Now is the appointed hour. It's time to seek Jesus. If you're playing games, if you're playing games in life, stop playing the games and get a hold of the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ and understand that he is the only answer to the solution to the world today. He's the only problem solver to the world today. Nobody like Jesus. Can we give him a hand clap today? It's time to start believing and receiving Jesus today. Be sure you understand that. Even though you're saved, you cannot become another person's savior. Even though you have received the grace of God through salvation, you cannot impart the saving grace of God to anybody. You're not the Savior. He is. I can give my physical life for you, but I cannot give eternal life to you. That's got to come from Him. And those five foolish virgins never truly belonged to the wedding party. 
they managed to dress like and act like the true bridesmaids, but now they had been exposed for who they were. It's what Paul spoke about in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3. He said, they will act as if they are religious, but will reject the power that could make them godly. Only thing that can change you is Jesus. Why don't you just let him be your best friend for the rest of your days? Why don't you let him be your guide and your guard and your help and your strength and your passion and your purpose and everything that you are? Folks, we're close to the coming of Jesus Christ. Watch ye therefore, watch ye therefore, be prepared. The Son of Man is coming to receive the church. Remember Jesus said in the first verse that this parable is about the kingdom of heaven. And here's the point. You can be a church member without being a kingdom citizen. You can be a member of this church and yet not be a part of the kingdom of God. It all depends upon whether or not you have the oil of the Holy Spirit burning in your heart. So you got to be wise. You got to be watchful. And you must be warned. Don't miss the coming of the bridegroom. Raise your hand to me right now and say, Pastor, I promise. Has everybody got their hand up? I won't miss the coming of the bridegroom. Amen. Verse 11 says, Afterward, all the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, Open to us, but he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Well, by the time the foolish bridesmaids got there, it was too late. And the last five words of verse 10 will haunt some people for all eternity. And the door was shut. Was shut. This is a door of exclusion. It's the door of inclusion. All who were in were safe and all that were out were lost. You know what happened at Noah's Ark? If you ever remember reading about Noah's Ark, you remember Noah's Ark? All those animals, two by two, seven clean, seven unclean, two unclean, all those animals, you remember that? How did they heed the voice of God to find an ark and people didn't? How did, how did, animals, how did animals walk in there and say, how you doing, Noah? I'm getting on this. How did they get on the ark and people that had a, have been made in the image of God. But the Bible said, didn't say that Noah shut that door. God shut that door. I can't preach anything outside of what God told me to preach. I'm telling you folks, there's a wide open door today. This is the church of Philadelphia. It's the church of the open door. And God's wanting to save people and God's wanting to heal people and God's wanting to forgive people and God's wanting to deliver people in this house today. But you've got to say yes to him. Don't wait until the door is shut. Think about what had happened. Not only were the bridesmaids shut out from the presence of the bridegroom, they were separated from the people that they'd waited for all these days. These wise women went in. The foolish women were shut out. See, when Jesus comes back, families are going to be separated. Husbands and wives, parents and children, friends and brothers. Two will be in the field, one will be taken. Two will be in the bed, one will be taken. Two will be grinding, one will be taken, the other left. 
and the door was shut. Can I tell you the worst thing that ever happened to a human being is to enter into eternity either because of death or the second coming of Jesus and to find the door of heaven shut and be on the outside looking in. I buried one of my dearest friends yesterday, 59-year-old Billy Rodriguez. I loved him. He was a Converse tennis shoe wearer. He had over 40 pair of them and he wore a different pair every Sunday. He was one of the greatest people I'd ever known. I loved Billy Rodriguez. He was a divorced man. He had a son. They came to church very faithfully. They loved God continually. And I was so happy yesterday to know that even though he had an aneurysm and it took him out suddenly at 59, he woke up on the other side and the door was open. Hey, that can happen to you. That can happen to you. You don't have to walk up and see a shut door. You need to give your heart to Jesus Christ and say, I surrender everything. I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I'll never forget flying one time. I was coming home from preaching in Illinois and I was sitting in Chicago O'Hare and I'd gotten something to eat, pizza or something. Somebody asked me what kind of pizza it was. It's Chicago pizza. I don't know what kind it was. But I remember this incident. I went to my gate and I waited for my flight to come in and I would get on and come home to Austin. And I knew it was the last flight out. I knew it was the last flight out. Something was not right about my situation though because about an hour before the flight was supposed to leave, now I'd had two or three bathroom breaks. I'd been waiting a while. I'd walked down the hall. I'd gone to a bookstore or two and I'd, I'd, I went in the golf shop and tried to find something to bring home to somebody. And I was out away from my gate but I knew what time my plane left. But when I came back and it was 30 minutes, nobody was gathering at my gate. But I'm stubborn. I'm gonna sit there because I know this is the gate. Gate seven. But about five minutes before I was supposed to leave, I noticed the gate agent wasn't there. <laughs> and so I looked around, nobody was there except me and one other guy sitting across the way. And I said, sir, I think we're the only one on the flight. He said, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so I decided I'd go across the hall and I went to another gate agent across the hall. And I said, what about the flight? To she said, oh, sir, that flight was changed several hours ago. Said it's going out of gate 22. I was at gate seven. Here's my problem. I was waiting at the wrong gate. It was the last flight out. Folks, I, re I returned to my old track days. <laughs> and I started running like a javelina, whatever they run like. I had my books, my scroll, my Bible all in a little bag under my arm. I had preached the gospel and I was going to miss the plane to Austin. And I was running with everything. By gate 15, I was sweating profusely. I was giving it all I had. I was dodging people, those little carts moving down the halls. I was dodging them. I, I had moves that Emmett Smith wished he had. I was trying to get to gate number 22. I said, God, about gate 18, I said, God, somewhere in there, please let the door be open when I get to gate 22. And all the passengers with tickets were already on the plane when I saw gate 22. 
but the gate agent heard me before he saw me. <laughs> gate 22, I'm coming. Help, help. It was amazing. The gate agent knew my name. He said, are you Rex? I'm running. He said, are you Rex Johnson? I said, I am. He said, you have your ticket? I said, I do. He held the door open. I gave him my ticket. I ran in. I shut the door behind me and I said, thank you, Jesus. Hey, somebody has got to wake you up. Some of you are sitting at the wrong gate. Get up, go find the right gate. Jesus is the gate, he's the door. Go find him, find Jesus in your life. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, I'm through, I'm through. You know, someone has said, too often opportunity knocks, but by the time you disengage the chain and push back the boat and unlock the two locks and shut off the burglar alarm, the door knocker is gone. It's exactly why Jesus said in verse 13, watch therefore for you know neither the day nor the hour which the Son of Man comes. Jesus is gonna come without warning, folks. He's just coming. Somebody told me when I was a little boy, he's gonna come on a cloudy day because he's gonna split the eastern clouds. And when it's a cloudy day, I always say, Lord, is this it? Is this the day that you're coming? I wanna be watching, I wanna be ready. He's coming for those that love his appearance. You gotta fall in love with the fact that Jesus is coming again. He's gonna come either at the end of time or the end of life. The door is gonna be shut and you'd better be ready. Yogi Berra made this statement, you can always observe a lot by watching, he said. Well, I wanna ask a question tonight in closing today, pardon me. Let me ask you this, three words, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm not asking you if you ever walked down the aisle of a church, no. I'm not asking you if you've ever joined a church, no. I'm not asking you do you believe in the second coming of Jesus, no. I'm not asking you if you've ever been baptized, 58 took the plunge today. I'm asking you this question, are you ready to meet Jesus? That's the question, are you ready? You know, I read something years ago that a young man, 16 to 18 years old, has a sexual thought every 16 seconds. It's pretty regular. Can't we have a Jesus thought every 15 minutes? I don't wanna miss that party. I don't wanna miss that party. In early 1874, an inventor named Elisha Gray transmitted a few musical notes over the telegraph wire. And he thought I could send the human voice. The New York Times reported predictions of a talking telegraph. And one year later, Gray believed he had the answer. A tin can-like voice, chambers, connected by a wire in a liquid that could turn vibrations into signals is what came into his mind. But he didn't put this idea on paper for two months. After finally making a sketch, he waited four more days before he went to the patent office 
And when he arrived, Mr. Gray was told that just two hours earlier, a school teacher had come through those same doors with his own sketch and had already applied for the patent. That man's name was Alexander Graham Bell. Sometime I wish he hadn't invented that when these cell phones get to popping. But when you compared the sketches, the voice chambers, the wire and the liquid, everything was identical of Mr. Gray and Mr. Bell. We know the name Alexander Graham Bell and many have not heard the name Elisha Gray simply because he missed his opportunity. One got there when the door was open, the other came and it was too late. One day a bridegroom is gonna come. He's coming for his bride. And when he does, please make sure you're ready. As a friend of the bridegroom, I'm telling you to be wise, be watchful, and be warned. Jesus is coming. I've heard him tell me that. He's coming. He's coming. But that's not his call if you're ready. It's your call. You've got to make that decision. Would you stand? Don't leave, please. Please don't leave just yet. Please don't leave. First Thessalonians says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always and forever be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, the Lord is coming. That should be comforting words, the Lord's coming. Hey folks, heaven's for real. Heaven's for real. Heaven's for real. Heaven's for real. I know I've kept you a little long. My apologies, I'll make up to you next week. I'll keep you a little longer. You know why, you know why? I love you, I just, I'm pouring everything I can on the table. I'm giving you all I got today. I'm giving you everything I have today. And I'm pouring it out. I don't leave anything on the field on Sunday morning or Wednesday night when I preach to you. I give it all to you. Because one day, we're gonna walk in white on the other side. We're gonna sing a song the angels can't sing. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We're gonna sing that song. Somebody, somebody needs to be ready to go. Somebody needs to be wise enough and watchful enough and warned enough that they wanna go, they wanna be there. Bow your heads, close your eyes, let me bless you. Dear Father, in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, I bless this audience today. I bless this people today. Lord, we know you're coming. We just have to be ready, we must be ready because you are coming. To all those who are listening online, God, may their hearts be pricked today and may they feel a conviction of saying, you know what, I need to get my heart right, my spirit right. And if they're out there and they are right, 
Let them rejoice today, God, in the fact that they got to hear it again, that something is going to happen very soon. It's going to change all the dynamics of this world, the coming of the Lord. Now, I bless this congregation. Let us walk out of here with dignity, knowing we have your honor and favor on our life, and be blessed. And let us, about every 15 minutes this week, think about something called heaven and think about a man called Jesus and think about salvation that came from a cross. For it's in the name of the Lord we pray. Keep our lamps lit. Keep them lit in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now bow your heads again. I want those that need prayer for healing, perhaps deliverance or salvation, to raise your hand all over the building. Nobody's looking except pastor. All right, here's what I want you to do. You've got to do this. I'll take three minutes of your time. You've got to do this. Please, please do this. When we dismiss this crowd, I want you to come directly here. I'm going to take some extra time with you folks that need healing or deliverance or salvation today right down here. So in the name of the Lord, go with God. Maranatha, the Lord comes. He's coming for us. He's coming for us. And we'll see you Wednesday night if he tarries. If not, I'll see you just inside the eastern gate, all right? I love you to the moon and back. Go have a great week.